What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a special episode of Dissect That Film, where today we are interviewing somebody. We've only done a few of these, but it's always a lot of fun. And today we are interviewing the writer, director, and actor behind the short film Headstone of Solitude. We have Sid from Sid Cinematics. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you on here. So, firstly... Mm -hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about your, your short film, which you can Absolutely. all find on YouTube right now at youtube.com slash Sid, Sid Cinematics, correct? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we'll, we'll plug that at the end of the show. And of awesome. course, it'll be down in the, the show notes or on YouTube or wherever you guys listen to this. Mm -hmm. So first, well, actually, let's, let's talk about kind of like your inspiration behind yeah. this short film, mm -hmm. Headstone of Solitude. So mm -hmm. from what I saw and from what I've read, you were inspired a lot from like the classic Dracula and of course, Absolutely. 1922's Nosferatu. Yes. So what was like your, what was the idea behind like the, the story behind the short film? Mm -hmm. um, it definitely starts with uh, those early 1900s, uh, 1900s horror films, um, specifically with uh, Nosferatu. Um, though also, I, I took a lot from uh, the recently released Banshees of Inisherin, which is a great film. Um, when I had first seen that film back around December, uh, when I was getting a lot of Oscars hype, um, I was like, wow, what a wonderful film. And you know, I thought to myself, what if a horror film was uh, to take place somewhere in Ireland? I mean, I think just the aesthetic of that film in general was just super cool. And um, I just feel like a, a horror film would do great in that type of environment. And, and then so I started uh, diving a little more deeper into early 1900s horror films, specifically uh, more on the front end of things. So we're talking like the silent era. Um, and so I, I started coming up with ideas and concepts. And, you know, there were some Edgar Allan Poe mixed in there and some David Lynch mixed in there. And um, believe it or not, I've, I've gotten some Kubrickian uh, comparisons as well, which is nice. Um, essentially, I, I wanted to kind of mix a few different things in there uh, uh david lynch uh you know i think lynching-esque films are very uh influential to this film and uh i think the emptiness within those films is something that i wanted to uh kind of weave in there as well so th there's a lot of influence from a lot of different places yeah w going through it i definitely could feel that it was you weren't just trying to uh, portray one you know, yeah. era of film. You were you, absolutely the look of it, of course, is one era, yeah. and then of course the dialogue is a different era. Like you said, it's you know yeah. you got your Kubrick, you got your your Lynch, yeah. and uh, which I I definitely could because it's funny because like the style, the visual style is mm -hmm. the silent era. So like of course there yeah. is no dialogue. It's all mm -hmm. you know based on just action and yeah. you know a text screen that tells you what they're saying where mm -hmm. you know you kind of incorporate all of that and i i really yeah, appreciated absolutely. that and and really um appreciated just kind of how it's it's sometimes it's kind of like jarring like when you're mm -hmm. when like the characters are you know having a bit of yeah. dialogue between each other and you're like oh it mm -hmm. just feels it feels odd <laughs> with the way yeah. that it looks and, and what they're saying to each other it's like yeah and then some of the lines you're like whoa that's wasn't I wasn't <laughs> yeah, expecting absolutely. that. And yeah, the direction yeah. this goes in, it goes in so many different directions. But let's yeah, um before we before I'm gonna let you talk a little bit about yourself and about what you do. But before we do that, let me just go through the plot synopsis to kind of get everybody mm -hmm. uh, on yeah. board of what this short film is all about. So it is set in the early 1900s uh, Ireland. A young man dependent on the attention of his mother grows increasingly obsessed with the mysterious loss of his recently deceased wife. It's like, you know, of course you, you think of, you know, somebody who is like obsessing over like the approval of his mother or, you know, their mother period. Of course you think of Norman Bates and yeah, Sacco, yeah. kind of get that mm -hmm. a little bit. And then of course, just the straight up obsession of, <laughs> you know, losing someone and just can't accepting the fact that they're never coming back. And what would mm -hmm. you do to bring them back? And you dive into some, very dark you know, yeah. most, um, yeah. moments and a lot of it is it, just the you know i don't want to get, get into too many spoilers of course because i want everybody to check it out and experience it Thank themselves uh, maybe we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit of spoilers uh, later on in the episode yeah, and we'll course, give a, a spoiler course. warning but 
I just like the elements that you put in there to kind of give people just instead of, you know, seeing everything, you're kind of like, mm -hmm. it's just like noises or some dialogue, some different dialogues, yeah. which just, uh, which really, you know, it's, it's just, it's just eerie. And of course, with that aesthetic of that silent era look, mm -hmm. it just yeah. brings out the, just oof, some things just make you real uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely a lot weaved within there um, that I, I think it's like you said, it's not essentially this straightforward watch. I think if, you know, if you blink and you'll miss it, I think there are a good amount of details and um, really a, a huge intention with, with weaving in so many different types of uh, styles was um, allowing the viewer to in, interpret it. And uh, we can definitely go deeper into this a little later on when we, when we discuss spoilers, but um, I think a lot of the film was, was crafted uh, with, with the thought of like, okay, instead of just laying it out there, why don't we let them interpret it for how they would feel uh, regarding these characters, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So before we talk a little bit more about your film, why don't you mm. introduce yourself and oh. just talk about kind of how you got into into filmmaking? Yeah, um, I, I think that filmmaking has always been of interest to me. Uh, even when I was younger, I, I've, I've just always taken interest in, in filming my friends doing the stupidest of things and, you know, like little skits and whatnot. Um, and then towards around 2019, I, I started uh, getting heavily into the animation format known as Machinima, um, mm. which is sort of like a 3D animation um and so I, I started making those, and uh, that kind of took me through quarantine. It, it kind of, uh, uh, I don't know how to put this, I guess made me comfortable in, in such boring circumstances, staying inside all day. Um, and then so once we started coming out of quarantine, I uh, eventually got a camera, and uh, like a legit camera, um, and I started just going around and just taking pictures and videos and, you know, just kind of get more into that, I guess. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it was always very ambitious uh, in my mind to, to make a film. And, you know, once I finally made this film, I was I was really happy with, with the results so far. You know, people seem to really enjoy it. And I think as a creator, that's what you want. You know, I, I don't I don't care how many people see it as long as the people who do see it enjoy it. I think that's really the, the beauty behind it. I think that's the beauty behind film in general. Oh, absolutely. Um, for people to take the time to, to watch your work and, and talk about it. You know, I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, so you so you you made this, you know, you wrote it, you directed yeah. it. Uh, mm -hmm. did, did you do all the editing and all that as well? Like, I did. You behind yes, pretty I, much everything? It was, it was pretty much a one-man show. Um, there was, a, like, a production assistant. I had a friend. Uh, she was helping out a little bit on set. And then there was, of course, the other actor, uh, Brandon Fagan, mm -hmm. who played the groundskeeper in the film. Uh, but yeah, essentially in terms of production, uh, it was, it was kind of a one man show. Um, some of the shots that I was, where I was in the shot and, you know, there was camera movement or, you know, it was framed a certain way. Of course I had someone to help me behind the camera, uh, which was a big help. Um, again, my buddy, Brandon, who plays the groundskeeper, he was, he was a great help in, in being able to man the camera when I was in frame. Um, I touched on this a little bit on another podcast, but I think a big problem with amateur short films, I guess, would be the fact that uh, actors are scarce and, and more importantly, people behind the camera are scarce. Mm -hmm. um, so it was definitely a big help uh, to have someone behind the camera uh, while I was, you know, in frame. Right. Yeah. I can yeah. only imagine <laughs> yeah. trying to do everything if yeah, without at least someone. It was a little chaotic for sure. So when did you start filming this and how long did it take? Um, so filming began, uh, I believe the first week of April, like April 2nd. Um, so very early on, uh, I'm in New York, so it was, it was still pretty cold at that point. So, I mean, we were filming outside scenes and, you know, we were freezing. Uh, yeah, there were certain times where we just had to stop a take just to put on a jacket and get warmed up. Uh, so that was definitely interesting. And then filming, uh, we, we were filming pretty late, um, we stopped filming around very late July. Um, we actually have been editing the entire time. Uh, my process, I, I like to edit as soon as like production starts. So uh, from the very first day of filming, I put that into post-production. and I've just been editing ever since. So after each time we're filming, I'm just editing right away. Okay. Yeah. So when 
you're um you know when you're filming all this and mm -hmm. you're coming up with this oh you know you came up with this idea of what you yeah. wanted to do and like i know like when you know of course studio films or even uh indie films are filming mm -hmm. a lot of times they're not filmed like scenes aren't filmed yeah. in order when you're doing a, a type of short film like this where yeah. it's it's you you know, mm. you're probably, you know, you're, I, I take it, you're the one who's financially doing, yeah, you know, providing yeah. all of this stuff. Mm. Are you, is it, do you have to go from beginning to end or um, can I, you film I, things I would, out of order and put it together? Well, yeah, I, I think honestly, um, we were able to film it out of order. Um, most of the, the film was in my basement, um, uh, which I thought was a nice, uh, touch to the environment and the aesthetic of the film overall. Um, but we we had um, just great luck with with filming on on certain days and, and a filming schedule and um, we didn't really have trouble with, with needing to film in order. You know, we were able to to confidently film at our own pace. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we talked about your inspiration behind the film and of course all the people that mm -hmm. inspired you to make the film. But the uh, yeah. the story itself. Like, yeah. how did you come up with it? Like I said, I, I, I don't think there would be a certain influence, um, but instead rather multiple things kind of weaved in there. Uh, definitely a lot of, of Edgar Allan Poe influence in there. Um, just like the darkness of the story overall, I would say I, I borrowed from Edgar Allan Poe. And um, I would say in terms of like environment, definitely Banshees of Inisherin. Uh If anyone hasn't checked out that film already, it's... It's such a phenomenal film, and I mean, it's breathtaking. Uh, and you know, rewatching that film, especially when I was uh, filming Headstone of Solitude, it was like, Jesus, man, like that is, you know, it's as a filmmaker, you can only really truly aspire to, to film something like that looks like that, you know. Um, so that was definitely a, a big influence. Um, and then, in, in terms of, I guess, uh, the story. Um, Really, uh, David Lynch's Eraserhead, uh, sort of the emptiness of it, uh, of that film, uh, was a really big influence on Headstone. Uh, I, I think Eraserhead is very up for interpretation, and as most Lynch films are, and uh, I definitely borrowed from that film as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, if, you, if you're okay with this, we could jump into yeah. a little bit of spoilers. Absolutely, um, yeah. So, if I want everybody who listens to this to check out the short film Headstone of Solitude over on you over at youtube.com slash SIDS cinematics. It is a, a, a wonderful watch. It is 30, 35 minutes of just eeriness and <laughs> grief stricken. Just it's, it's a, you'll feel a bunch of emotions leave it or, you know, when you're finished watching this uh, short film. So check it out and then come back and listen to the rest of this interview because we are going to be talking about spoilers. Uh, and then we're going to talk some personal things with Sid. Absolutely. You know, that doesn't have yeah. to do with the film. <laughs> yeah. So, Absolutely. Spoilers, everybody. Let's get into it. So, All right. of course, this is a movie about grief. It's a movie it about yes. kind of... So when it comes to the relationship between William, your main character, yes, and his mother... Yes. Where... Uh, were you trying to like, where was that story? Where did, did that come from anything yeah. or was that kind of just an original idea? Like, did you kind of, um, was there an influence behind kind of the whole thing behind him having this kind of weird relationship with his mom while he's yeah. really grieving his wife? It's mm -hmm. a whole, it, it just felt very yeah. like, kind of like Norman Bates situation. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the Norman Bates analogy is, is very, very spot on. Um, I didn't exactly take a direct influence from um, Psycho. Um, however, I, I had someone recently review the film and, and they kind of uh, compared it to the likes of Bo is Afraid with Joaquin Phoenix, which is recently released, which is a great film. Um, and also Psycho. Um, looking back, I can definitely see the parallels in terms of grief and kind of having a weird relationship with your mother. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I wouldn't say that there's a direct influence there. Okay. Um, I think overall the goal was to kind of uh, twist the viewer a little bit and uh, again, leave it up for interpretation. So, I mean, you know, what's this guy's deal with his mom? I mean, 
his dying word, I don't know if it's necessarily his dying words, but, um, you know, he's scraping along the grass to his wife's grave saying his mother, his mother's name. You know, I, I think, you know, there's a lot wrong with this guy. And, you know, I think the end goal was to just kind of twist, twist to be where's interpretation of it. Yeah, because this film takes such a, a sharp corner at a certain point yeah. where yeah, of course, for sure. you're seeing this man grieving his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he's and it's hitting them hard, like harder yeah. than you know you would expect <laughs> yeah. it to, to be. I mean, of course, you know, young young love. You know, you don't really, yeah. you never really get an answer of what happened to her. It could have been mm-hmm. right. It was like you mentioned there was a, could have been a fever that was spreading yeah. across the country, or yeah. you know, could have been anything. Mm-hmm. And he, but then you see, like, of course, it's like okay, this man is just grieving. And then, of course, mm. he has like the the weird interactions with the groundskeeper, <laughs> yeah. who's just yeah. just seems like a grumpy old man. Yeah, yeah. But then you you transport to I'm taking his it's his house and he's eating, yeah. and then he walks off screen. And yeah, you hear a woman's voice, and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. I, that scene for me as, as the creator was was most engaging, and you know you can't help but feel proud when when. You know, when you talk to people who've seen the film and, you know, that's the first thing they bring up is what the hell happened in that scene, you know? Um, and I, I think, again, the intent behind him going off screen was to kind of leave it up to interpretation. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot of conspiracy behind that scene. Um, and really, I think that's the mark where the film kind of starts to go a little bit bonkers with its themes. Uh, you know, there's like a 10 minute sequence after of just nightmare fuel, per se. And... Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to call into question with that scene. You know, who is this woman? Where is she? I mean, yeah. what's her relationship to, to Williams? Uh, I, that is uh, definitely a standout scene to me as the creator. It it was definitely, it definitely leaves you with so many questions, as you stated. Like, you're wondering who this person is. Like, she's continuing Absolutely. to stay like, I'm not your wife. You know, I, you know w- what's happening? And mm-hmm. you can also your voice changes like you you you, yeah. know, you you're just your normal talking voice and then you, it's like you're possessed yeah you're just, that, that's great the, the, the huge change yeah. which i just threw me off i was like oh okay and then you <laughs> see it and, but you don't see that on screen it's mm-hmm. all off screen which i yeah. i like that aesthetic i like that feeling of just what you know what's in the darkness or yeah, what is what, truly going on in there absolutely where later yeah. on you see when he's you know you every time he has a conversation with the groundskeeper mm-hmm. he you uh william keeps repeating like my wife is my wife is dead yeah. like yeah and he's you know of course they call each other names and stuff and mm-hmm. and i i and then later on he he you see that voice change but you see william project that mm. voice like in person Absolutely. it's not in the darkness it's straight yeah. up and then of course everything happens at the end and you're just left mm. kind of going oh okay <laughs> what the hell did i just watched? that yeah. just happened absolutely and then it and then it ends and it's and that's the great thing about short films you know these you know quick you know half hour mm. 35 minute yeah. um shorts where you know it's it's so easy to just hop back in again to be like what absolutely. did i miss what did, you know what little element didn't i see on that first watch and this is definitely one I'll, I'll, I'll be going back to uh, a Thank few you. times to kind of I appreciate that. to get to to kind of because yeah like I was left with a lot of questions and you know I don't yeah. want to ask you every single question I want to kind of see if mm-hmm. I can figure some of them out myself yeah. and maybe I'll message you down the road and be yeah, like hey no what, did, what did, did this Absolutely. mean this you know I think of that's course. what's interesting especially getting to meet definitely you know uh, people like you and other filmmakers writers you know people For sure. we, other people that we've interviewed on here hmm. um but yeah, this is a, uh, it's, it's, it's wild how, you know, I don't know how much you, you, you ended up spending to make this movie. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's wild what people can do. It's so impressive to see the things that you were able to do in this movie and to, to really bring out such eeriness of just, you know, there are scenes where there's not, there's no dialogue. It's just you sitting there yeah. eating and, it, and you're just kind of like, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Okay. And then of yeah. course you have the most nightmare fuel scene, which is kind of it mirrors a lot of stuff that I'm seeing on TikTok right now, where it's people 
it's this whole thing of like doppelgangers type thing where they're seeing themselves. Okay. Yeah. And I, it, it, it gets me every time. And like when you're in bed and then you're, yeah, kind know, of, yeah. you're just laying on your back and then you just <laughs> open your eyes and it's just one of those looks like, like you don't know how to process what you're seeing. And it, yeah. then you look and it's you holding the picture of your wife. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh, where is this going to go? And there's no dialogue. Yeah. It's just the, that other version of you, which I'm mm -hmm. guessing is, is, I mean, so who is this character? This other, this other you, is this just the darker, the projection of like the darker mm -hmm. side of William? I, I think you kind of nailed it right there. It is definitely, uh, this dark parallel reflection of himself. Um, uh, like I said earlier, I think that within around the 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes in the middle of the film, it's it's kind of just bonkers. And uh, I, I think a lot of that is influenced uh, very visibly by his dark parallel self. Um, I think with the scene you're referencing specifically, it's uh, very, very up for interpretation again. Because, I mean, you know, he's sleeping, right? You see all that and then he's sleeping and then mm -hmm. he wakes up and he still sees this dark reflection of himself and mm -hmm. you know i think it's ultimately really uh i want to say really interpretive to like okay well is this guy seeing things or i mean is this another nightmare i mean is this guy just kind of nuts like um i think that was definitely done uh purposefully and i'm glad it had that effect on you yeah it it, it definitely threw me off there was it, it was one of those moments that mm. you know watching it i just it kind of like it startled me because it's it's such, wow. a, it's such a quick cut from yeah sleeping you to then you standing yeah, there absolutely. at the end of the bed yeah you know of course like the outfit that you're wearing in that scene mm -hmm. you know the the little you know baller cap, <laughs> old, the yeah. cap whatever the hat is yeah um, yeah I, it was just like oh okay so yeah. I, I i do it's not a it's not a spoiler uh but who who's the woman in the picture uh that is my great grandmother in actuality um that's very cool i mean it's a little creepy uh my yeah. parents have had it hanging up in the kitchen uh <laughs> i don't know it's not the best place in my opinion um but I, I mean i've always been a little eerie by the picture uh even when i was a little child i was like i don't know that picture kind of gives me a little bit of bad vibes um and you know, I've I've actually explained this a few times to people that have asked, and um, that picture was from the era in which the film was set in, so around the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. um, so I just thought it was authentic, and uh, I thought it'd also be kind of humorous to include that. And uh, definitely another um, question would be, how long did you work on your accent before you started filming? Um, well, I have a question to take for you. What did you think of the accent? As someone who's, as, as someone who's not good at doing yeah. accents, you did a pretty good job but right. as, but as an American, I don't yeah. feel I can fully give you an opinion on it. I feel like you'd have yeah. to ask like some, some fellow Irishmen or some fellow, some, some, yeah, some yeah, absolutely. fellow Irish people to be like, Hey, how did it go? How, how did it sound? Yeah. Cause those are the, that's the real absolutely judge you know that's the judge where you want <laughs> um i mean luckily i've i have a few you know internet irish friends and uh you know i kind of got their blessing beforehand before i put this film out i'm like all right is this at least okay and they're like yeah, yeah that's fine um I, I think accents are uh, very fun to do like i i honestly i think you know performances with accents just kind of attract me to them you know uh so it's it's definitely it was very fun, and in terms of how long I took to work on it, um, not too long, honestly. I would say like a few weeks, uh, about a month, to really like kind of nail it down confidently to where it wasn't like sounding different. Um, right. And you know, I, I took a lot of inspiration, I guess, and doing the accent from Banshees. You know, the way they talked, and mm -hmm. then I, uh, I tried looking up some videos from that time period, which was a little scarce. Uh, but uh, luckily, I did manage to to find that. Some of them did kind of talk in like a high pitched, quick Irish accent. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna roll with that. Yeah, because it's one of those things where it's the consistency. It's trying to yeah. con you know consistently 
keep the same accent instead of it changing. Yeah, that, that was throughout. probably the most difficult part. Yeah, which I which you which you did a really good job doing. Like yeah. it didn't feel like I was hearing something. There might have been like maybe a small slate, like it maybe you know yeah. your normal voice either slipped in there yeah. or maybe it went into slightly a different accent. But it's so mm. it's, it's so quick. It you, you're not gonna be like, oh, there it is. <laughs> well, I mean, I just pointed it out, but I didn't say where it was. But <laughs> oh, that's okay. If you, if you want to point, if you want to okay. go find it, go find it. But, yeah, uh, go find it. It's, uh, it's yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing for me. I'm the kind of guy who can do accents off camera. Really? But then I get on camera and I forget how to do them. It's like Nothing I could do now. It's like I could stage. No, yeah. I don't. No. I don't think I could right now. I'm dipping my feet into some voice acting. Um, oh, okay. On, on, on some on uh, another podcast that I okay, that cool. we collab with. So I'm working on certain things. Not I haven't had awesome. to do an accent yet, but maybe maybe down the road. Maybe down the road. All I got right. I got to work. I, I look forward to that. I hope to hear an Irish accent in there. You know, sometimes I slip one in when if we're yeah. talking about a movie where you know someone's got an accent, I'll probably slip some bad yeah. accent in there. But <laughs> all right. it's all for it's, it's all, all right. for comedy's sake. <laughs> I get it. It's all good, man. <laughs> all right. Well, I think you know, we covered a good, uh, I don't want to give away too much of, of the film. I want people to experience it. You know, of course we Mm -hmm. did throw some spoilers in there, but now let's, let's just have a conversation. Just me and you, let's talk about, you know, whatever we want to talk about. Let's talk about maybe what, like what movie got, like made you fall in love with the film industry or just, you know, movies in general. Um, I would have to say Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight. Um, and, and with that answer, uh, mainly because I was younger and I had seen that film over and over and over when I was very younger. Uh, and uh, obviously Star Wars, you know, kind of movies, I guess, catered to, to, to a younger audience. And then as I got older, I, I obviously grew more mature film taste. But I think the Dark Knight is just a great, great film. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, a, a superhero person to enjoy it. I think it's just such a, a well-crafted film. Um, and it takes a lot of inspiration from my personal favorite film, which is Michael Mann's Heat, which is a phenomenal film we can get into in a little bit. Um, but I would say for a film that got me into, like, making videos with my friends and, you know, recording my action figures, just wanting to, to create videos, I guess, um, Really, I would, I would say it's it's Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, uh, just phenomenal. That is a that is a great, a, an amazing choice to get you yeah, into, into movies because I, The Dark Knight is so special to me. It was it's probably top three all time. Really, that's yeah, awesome. I, I the performances are fantastic. The fact, like you said, it's not it's not just for superhero fans. It's Absolutely. not just for comic book fans. Like this is mm. like that's what Christopher Nolan was able to do with the entire trilogy Those characters yeah. yeah he could Absolutely. he literally took these you know characters and made them very grounded mm-hmm. and you know of course like heath ledger's performance is absolutely and there's so many great performances amazing performance trilogy. i mean of course his is kind of killian just like, murphy tom hardy oh yeah perfection. the fact that christopher nolan could take certain characters that maybe we didn't like what would they be able to do with bane in reality yeah, like in I a agree. grounded situation and they did a phenomenal they did job a great job even if if it's not as well liked as batman mm-hmm. begins in the dark knight because of the fact of you know yeah. you know Heath dying and i know there was a possibility of him coming back for the for dark knight mm-hmm. rises and stuff like that yeah. and it was kind of a last kind of second choice to bring bane in mm-hmm. and uh but yeah christopher nolan is just a fantastic filmmaker Absolutely. period i mean we see you yeah, know. I mean Oppenheimer. I, I saw that twice within the past two weeks. I mean, I'm gonna go see it a third time to uh, soon. Uh, phenomenal cinema right there. Oppenheimer was incredible. Uh, Interstellar, great watch. Um, and then I actually saw The Dark Knight Rises in theaters. I was around like seven or eight, wow. and you know that was just a phenomenal experience as well. Um, I think, yeah, Christopher Nolan, I mean, he makes movies for the cinema, you know. I think there's no better a director can get than Christopher Nolan. Um, Just phenomenal. Absolutely. What is the best experience you've ever had watching a movie? Like, what is a Um, movie that you've seen and you're just like, this is the best. This is why I do it. This is why I do everything. (laughs) I mean, you can say the same answer 
that you just stated with with, uh, Um, the last question? Honestly, I was I saw Guy Ritchie's Snatch uh, about a year or so ago, and I was uh, I was very stoned watching that film, (laughs) and it was it was such a phenomenal film, and I've I've seen it at least ten times since I first saw it around last year. I mean, I I can never get sick of Snatch. I mean, um, and then Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels also phenomenal cinema, um, which was made a few years before. Yeah, those those early Guy Ritchie films. Yeah, I love Snatch. That Snatch was Snatch Snatch was like my first experience with uh, Jason Statham. Really? Yeah, and and uh, because I watched Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels after Mm -hmm. Snatch. Yes, which was even earlier. Jason Statham. Yeah, it was. I think 98. Yeah, and then Brad Pitt shows up in Snatch. I was like, oh, yeah, all Brad right. Brad Pitt is like, phenomenal. Like I think that might be my favorite Brad Pitt role. Yeah, and of course he's got that heavy Irish, you know, we're talking about Irish accents. Like, he's yeah. got that heavy Irish <laughs> yeah. accent. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing um, with Headstone and the accent. Honestly, I would say Snatch ha- had quite an influence. I mean, I just love that film so much. I-, I rewatch it monthly, and so when I was writing and acting, I was just like, you know, these accents are pretty cool. Um, and so I think definitely uh, Snatch, going back to earlier, I think Snatch had a, a great influence on the, the accent as well, believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, the accents in that film, especially in part of Brad Pitt, I mean, nice. just phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how well an American was able to, yeah, to portray exactly. that kind of character on screen. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard this analogy a lot. You know, if Brad Pitt wasn't so attractive per se, I mean, he'd he'd be the like a renowned character actor like yeah. you know people people really underestimate like that he's in reality a, a character actor you know oh uh, absolutely and i i think that given that he's so goddamn attractive I, I think people tend to kind of forget that they kind of just typecast him as like the the attractive lead character right yeah i mean yeah. i i was introduced to brad pitt with seven like which is crazy yeah. to think about you know adventure yeah seven fight club yeah that those are the those are the brad pitt films that you know made me fall in love with him because i it wasn't yeah Yeah. for me it's not you know yeah he's a very attractive man but that wasn't (laughs) why i love those movies it's just because Mm -hmm. he was so fantastic he's a phenomenal actor absolutely i mean being alongside morgan freeman in seven and then him against like edward norton and then in in fight club and the way that fincher is able to to get such a great performance out of him and of course even recently you know you see like people have praised him in bullet train like a movie that really shouldn't mm-hmm. be looked as like a cinematic marvel yeah. it's just it's yeah. just a crazy action movie Absolutely. but brad pitt puts a different performance out there instead of it just being another brad pitt movie no it's this is a different side of brad pitt. i remember seeing the trailer i was like i i don't remember the last time i saw brad pitt like this mm-hmm. because then we the, the last one i had seen was once upon a time in hollywood which is a completely mm-hmm. different like yeah That's like you said he's too. a very good he's he's a fantastic yeah. character actor and uh, yeah like you said he's not appreciated enough because yeah. yes he is a gorgeous <laughs> he's a gorgeous almost 60 year old man which is just yeah wild to think about <laughs> I, I think he honestly breaks the barrier uh, of like very attractive people not knowing how to act i mean i think you see that now more than ever with like influencers acting uh i i think you know a lot of actors i guess are, are casted because of how attractive they are rather than their you know ability and i think that uh brad pitt definitely breaks that mold uh i would say my favorite brad pitt film is probably killing them softly um with uh james gandolfini in it as well I mean, it's just a great cast ray liotta um it, it's a kind of an under the radar film I, I would say it's a very underrated movie uh very good watch yeah, that's that's definitely one that it's very split down the middle. You either have your yeah. the people who love that movie, or there's people who just. That like, I've heard people that are just like that movie is it. terrible, and you're like, it, oh, I love it. I love Killing Them Softly. I, I don't care. I'll say it proudly. No, that's fine. I mean, that's what I love. Softly fan. I mean, to be honest, that's what I love about talking about movies, and that's why you know I I started Absolutely. doing this podcast you know two years ago was the fact of I want to hear all the different sides of Of course when it comes to opinions on certain movies because there are Mm -hmm. movies that i love and a lot of people don't like or there's movies that i'm not too far i don't go around hating movies anymore the only movies i ever talk about not liking like hating Mm -hmm. are the resident evil movies okay i i I think it's more now just a joke like they're not good movies but i'd like to just go a little above and beyond because it's just kind of it's just kind of a joke on the show now um but 
it's more of just like it's just a movie that I'm I'm glad I saw once, but I'll never see again type thing. Where there are good yeah, movies that are the same that. way. Uh, for you know, you were talking about the uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. That movie is oh, fantastic. It it's, is very. Nice. I I remember really sitting nice. down one day. I didn't have any plans. I sat down. It was on HBO Max, and mm. I just I went through it, and I was like, everything about this movie is wonderful. Of course, where it was filmed. The care, you know, Colin Farrell. It was, you know, twenty twenty two was a great year for Colin Farrell. It was between the, the Penguin, yeah, yep. and and the Banshees of Inisherin, and then of mm-hmm. course you can't go wrong with Brendan, uh, Brendan Gleeson, mm-hmm. who's fantastic in yeah. everything. Even when you talk about nineteen ninety nine's Lake Placid, <laughs> which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even remember he was in that movie, but he was, and he was great. But that's a type of movie that's so good. I enjoyed it so much, but I don't know if I could go through that emotional distress again. I saw it two times in a week. I, I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> there's just, no, there's um, just those, those type of movies for me. I that are just so they're so good, but they're, they, they drain you emotionally. Absolutely. And so you're like, oh. I was quite disturbed. I mean, both times, uh, three or four times I've seen it really. I mean, it is, I think people underestimate how disturbing that film kind of is. In yeah. a way. I mean, yeah, not to spoil it too much, but I mean, you know, the guy's throwing fingers at a house. I mean, I don't think there's any more disturbing you can get than that. Um, I, I can't believe anyone would call that film boring or, or, Oh no. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think the dialogue itself is entertaining to me. You know, the, the breaking up of this friendship. Oh, absolutely. Like there's literally scenes that go on for five, 10 minutes of just yeah. dialogue. And there yeah. are a lot of people nowadays that, don't like that type of stuff like they don't Mm -hmm. they want of course there's just people out there who just want we're so ingrained with superhero movies and action movies that we can't appreciate just good like yeah just people sitting around talking and like yes things are going to happen in this movie but there are going to be scenes where there are just two characters sitting at a table and having a conversation but the conversation Mm -hmm. is so good absolutely so intriguing that you are just you were just at the edge of your seat wondering yeah. what the heck. Carrie Condon oh. killed her role. I mean, she was a scene stealer. Every scene with with either Colin Farrell or, or Barry Keoghan, mm-hmm. she just stole every scene she was in. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So it's it's. I mean, I feel I will watch it again at some mm-hmm. point, but it's one of those things where I just kind of have to like prepare myself and I definitely I love experiencing movies for like getting my wife to experience movies for the first time yeah absolutely Um, because she sees I feel like she has such a different vision than I do of course because I you know I talk about movies all the time (laughs) it's just kind of for her it's just like hey you want to watch a movie and she watches a movie and then it's just over (laughs) that was it that was cool that's it yeah Yeah. we you know we can you know talk about it for a second there but yeah (laughs) but it's it's always fun to see like a reaction like how is she going to mm-hmm. react to certain things? Like you know the the, the, the donkey. I mean, the, yeah. how are you going to react the to the donkey? donkey? I love the donkey. Yeah, made me shed a tear. <sighs> but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a movie. At some point, I would love to cover on the show, and uh, maybe, I'd love to see that. and maybe uh, maybe we'll bring Sid on to do it to, to yeah, sit awesome. with us and cover it with us. So yeah, that'd be great. We'll, we'll get that planned out at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know when, but it, it it'll happen at it, some. It'll point. happen. Yeah, it'll happen for sure. What, what, what is a movie with, without talking about the movies that we've already mentioned? What is a movie that you feel people have to see? Like they, they, like everybody has to see this movie. I can't mention one that's already been mentioned, right? Um, I, I would say Michael Mann's 1995 Heat. Just, I mean, you didn't. Uh, we I didn't really talk about it, so it. yeah, you can mention. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Heat is just. I, I think it's the epitome of the film experience. I mean, it's... I, I can't even begin to, to talk about it, really. I mean, phenomenal cast, right? Val Kilmer, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, directed by Michael Mann. I mean, that right there should sell you to go watch that movie. But, I mean, it's just such a triumphant, adventurous, suspenseful, thrilling, disturbing, violent, heartwarming, heartbreaking, like... There's just so much about that film that is just incredible. And um, as someone who loves The Dark Knight, uh, really for anyone who loves that film, I think you would be amazed by Heat if you haven't already seen it out there. Um, 
I think everyone needs to see Heat at least once or twice in their life before they die. I, I think it's that type of film where this is the best of the best from the ter- from the standpoint of acting, from the standpoint of directing, writing, set design, sound design. I mean, the shootout scene is highly regarded as one of the most realistic gunfight scenes in film history. I mean, just everything about that production. Phenomenal. A1. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say Heat is a film that everyone has to see. Uh, it's a film that I hold very dearly. It's definitely one that is like Heat is a movie that is it was so well made. Michael Mann, yeah, like he he knew he knows how to direct. Like this man knew how to direct action. Yeah. Of course, getting legends such as Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in the same movie. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yes, they were in the Godfather Part Two, but they weren't. They didn't act alongside each other. So yeah. this was the first time we got to see them face to face. They have mm-hmm. one of the best like sit down scenes where there's yeah. I mean, no, there's just so many scenes where it's like, wow, this is the best it's gonna get. And just yeah. the way it was lit, in the way it was, you know, certain um, situ- like you said, the shootout scene, and the way that it was shot. It, you know, it's not a bunch of jumps, which I feel filmmakers love to do, and it's just nauseating. Yeah, I mean, Batman Begins kind of nauseating to watch at times with the fight scenes yeah it's it, it i think it's always trying to figure out like how to get batman yeah. to look good fighting yeah because because the only way batman looks good fighting is in animated form in my opinion i don't i don't think batman's ever looked great fighting it's just looked matt reeves good did, a, did a nice yeah job it's a it, it, you could definitely tell it's a mix of uh, yeah visual effects and and Robert Pattinson or Stump Double doing stuff, but like mm. I know Nolan doesn't use CGI, so yeah. when Christian Bale is fighting, he's fighting, or his <laughs> or his Stump Double is fighting, so it's very clunky. Even yeah. with Tim Burton's Batman, like as, mm. I love Michael Keaton, I love his Batman mm. fight scenes, not so good. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But like Definitely for me, I grew up with the animated nice. series where you know, of course, it's animated form, so Batman looks really awesome when he's fighting. Yeah, even Ben Affleck's Batman and Batman versus Superman, like they were able to get. Some, mm-hmm. some really cool fight scenes it's uh yeah but it's all about just the framing of things so like of course mm-hmm. you know jumping back and forth between both sides of this of this gunfight in the main street there uh yeah. and he it's just so so well done and and when you would look at at michael mann films you know going forward like i i really enjoyed his uh the uh, public enemies with johnny Depp. i didn't really enjoy that one honestly um I wasn't the biggest fan of that, but I do really uh, admire Michael Mann as a director. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Collateral. I'm a huge fan of Thief. Obviously, a big fan of of Heat. Um, but Public Enemies, I don't know. It's just uh, there was something about it that just like I couldn't really get past. I like Miami Vice. Like I love Michael Mann, but for me, Public Enemies um, just wasn't really too into it. Yeah, it's a it, for me. I think it was more the fact I was I was big into learning about John Dillinger and I was a yeah. big Johnny Depp fan at the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, this is, you know, Johnny Depp is going through a hot streak, you know, being in yeah. the pirates films and, and then mm-hmm. being in this, uh, he, I, I just liked how it looked. I liked how it was filmed. It, mm-hmm. it felt very much like he was combining different, um, ideas into one. So like he was taking what mm-hmm. he did in Miami vice and taking what he did in heat and kind of, yeah. morphing it all together and of course trying to make it look like it's from the 1930s mm. you know i think that's kind of what drew me to it maybe some of the dialogue is a little clunky and yeah. certain characters aren't done so well uh but overall i always had a great experience watching that movie and michael yeah, I Mann think, I think films, deserves a rewatch. i mean even if you watch like a lot of people don't know that he directed the very first hannibal lecter movie manhunter back I, in I did hear about that. Uh, brian cox yeah brian cox played hannibal uh, not he's not a main character like Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. but the way that he shot it, Brett when Brett Ratner had to uh, took the reins of doing Red Dragon, which is the it was the it's just the remake of Manhunter, mm-hmm. but it yeah. had Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, and he's more of a prominent character. Uh, he it, it's a almost a shot for shot remake, so it, he took a lot of inspiration from the way Michael Mann shot that film and it, you could definitely mm-hmm. feel some, uh, some, sh- you know, similar shots to like collateral mm-hmm. or heat in, yeah. uh, in Manhunter, which is an, an early Michael Mann film. Yeah. I, I recommend people to watch. It's got William Peterson. If anyone's a CSI fan out there, if everybody remembers William Peterson, 
<laughs> I, I also think that uh, Michael Mann's uh, directorial debut, Thief, just phenomenal watch. I mean, and, and this was years before, I mean, many, many years before Collateral or Heat. Uh, I mean, and for that to be his, his debut, I think, is just uh, super, what a, what a fun film. What a beautiful film. It's so action-packed, but I mean, there's always a, a certain emptiness to it, uh, like a lot of neo-noirs. Um, I, I would honestly say it's, it's one of the defining and one of the earliest neo-noirs, you know, that Chinatown, you know, films around the late 70s. Uh, just a really defining film to the neo-noir genre in itself. Absolutely. I, I, I think the thing that I appreciate about you for, because you're, I take it you're, you're, you're pretty young. I don't want to. I am. I am yeah. 18. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I, wow. That is even more impressive to me. Wow. That you're you. 18 years old. And you made this awesome short film, this, this very right. intricate short film that dives into some pretty dark themes and the fact is, is like you, like I'm listening to an 18 year old talk about heat or talk about heat <laughs> or talk about these films that I guarantee you I could talk to a lot of 18 year olds and they would have yeah. no idea what we're talking about. They, they need to know, man. They, absolutely. They should know. Absolutely. And I think the, heat needs to be studied in school. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that is definitely on the echelon yeah. of things that need yeah. to be of taught course. in schools. But, uh, but also the fact is like you, your, your film is inspired by films that are a hundred years old. You know, Nosferatu came <laughs> yeah. out a hundred and one years ago, yeah, it's, Dracula. It's, and, and like, it, it's, it's awesome to see, you know, younger gener a younger generation still appreciating absolutely cinematic history and not just looking at what we have in front of us now, which yeah. we have a lot of good stuff now. But of course. it's 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 kind of a mess. It's kind of a yeah. mess in my it, opinion. It is a little bit of a mess. I I agree. Definitely. So, but thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm I'm very excited to see what you got. You know what you're going to be working on coming up, and you know if you, yeah yeah if you want to talk about I, that, I, do you have what do you got going on? Uh, going um, on? I I've begun very early development on. I would say it's it's likely going to be a feature length film. Um, which I, I'm very excited to get to work on. Uh, it, it kind of encapsulates the experience of a, a bunch of young delinquents, and, and uh, um, I would say some in influences would be uh, the Safety Brothers' Good Time. Phenomenal film. I mean, I think the Safety Brothers are uh, just such an incredible pair of directors. Uh, and that, Uncut Gems, I mean, I, I really want to see uh, more films from them. Um, but I, I would say Good Time is a huge influence on the film. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. I love Darren Aronofsky. Um, the Wrestler, Requiem for a Dream, The Whale, phenomenal films. Um, but Requiem for a Dream is such a huge uh, film to me in terms of its influence and just the overall aesthetic and, and themes. I mean, it's a very disturbing film. Very disturbing. Um, not in the sense that it's you know a horror film or anything i mean it's it's just such a real film um and that's something i hope to encapsulate with with my upcoming film uh it'll be a, a crime drama film and uh it'll be likely hopefully out sometime around the spring of 2024 uh maybe a little later on but um I'm definitely very excited. I'd, I'd love to come back on here and, and delve into that a little bit uh, when the time comes. That would be a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm very excited. Um, and I, I really am excited to hear what else, everyone else continues to say about Headstone. I mean, I really appreciate all the support. Uh, the film is available for review on Letterboxd. Um, I'm not sure if you're on there or if anyone else is on I there. I sure but, am, and I uh, will definitely be leaving a review. <laughs> definitely. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link in our messages later on. But right. um, yeah, anyone who's out there, if you have Letterboxd, uh, feel free to review it on there. Uh, I check all the, the reviews, and you know, really, I think the biggest thing as, as I guess, an aspiring filmmaker is uh, people's thoughts and feedback. I mean, Absolutely. I really do value all of that. So. Um, you know, anyone who wants to go check that out, thank you. And uh, I look forward to hearing all your thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, that is, yeah. I think that's how we all get better at, at what we Absolutely. do. You know, even as somebody like, like for me, me, you know, as just doing a podcast, we always appreciate your honesty. Like, how are we doing? What's our, are you enjoying yeah. our show? What don't you like about our show? Maybe we can work mm -hmm. on that. And 
Of you know, as a, in filmmakers and and everybody in that type of industry, they want that too. They want your honesty. They Absolutely. don't want you to just sugarcoat things and just tell them, "Hey, it was amazing," even if you didn't maybe yeah. think it was amazing. Well, you know, mm-hmm. let them know. You know what? Maybe there's a question you have uh, that you know sit here could answer if it's something confused you or something like that. It's definitely yeah. like I said, these 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 short films are so easy to consume and mm-hmm. so easy to go back to. So watch it a couple times you could watch this three times and it's the length yeah. of, a, of a a 90 minute film so <laughs> go, you know do that and then you can you'll find things that you you know like like i said i probably have missed things i'm gonna watch it a couple more times i'm gonna get you know gonna pass it around and have other people watch Absolutely. it and, you know you. get some feedback so yes make sure to uh to check out uh headstone of solitude over on youtube.com slash Sid's Cinematics. Sid, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. It was Absolutely. an honor. It, it, it was great. It, it was it was great to uh to talk to you. It's it's always I'm not I'm still trying to work on my interview skills. Oh, you were fun. Hopefully they work. <laughs> they no, were good. you were fun. We're all good. <laughs> oh man. man, but I like greatly appreciate it. Do you want to plug do you want to plug anything before we um, go? Everyone, check out Dissect That Film's other podcasts and, and interviews and whatnot. Uh, this guy's awesome, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, Sit Cinematics on Instagram, Sit Cinematics on YouTube, and uh, Headstone of Solitude on Letterboxd. Uh, that's right. that's really it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was lovely. You. Yes, and all those links uh, will be down in the description. So yeah, thank you. And until next time, I am Brett Parker, and that is Sid from Sid Cinematics. And this has been another episode of the Dissect That Film interviews. See y'all again next time. Bye. See you.